guys, because it is the 20th anniversary, this is a little different service, so it's really a group effort, both in the speaking, teaching time, as well as in the worship time. So you had three worship leaders up here. That song we opened with, if you were here 20 years ago, we were singing that song 20 years ago in Lion Lamb Church. So there's some old and there's some new. And I'm going to be punctual and take no more than 20 minutes. And then the other elders are going to follow with a little shorter time. They know I talk more, so they gave me more time. And they'll, I'm going to sort of low-key take a walk down memory lane a little bit, and then I'll close with some lessons I've taken away from 20 years at Lion and Lamb. The other elders are going to talk about some of the other things we're sort of just considering, where we see ourselves going in the future. So 20 years ago, if you're old enough, if you're old enough, and many of you aren't, to remember 20 years ago, what's your frame of reference from 20 years ago? What do you think of if, again, if you're old enough, what was going on in your life 20 years ago? What was going on in the life of the world, the culture around us? In case you forget, I've got a few. Uh, William Jefferson Clinton was inaugurated for his second term in January of that year. That was 20 years ago. I wouldn't have guessed it was that long ago, but it was. Second term for Clinton. See the Heaven's Gate logo up there. Heaven's Gate was a cult. I think it was in San Diego, Southern California. And if you remember, we've had some very notable comets in our lifetime, unusually so, and Hale-Bopp was 1997, and you could see it for a long time, and this group was convinced that the mother ship that would take them back to their point of origin was following Hale-Bopp, and so literally they all drank the Kool-Aid together, mass suicide, 39, killed themselves, hoping to connect with their mother ship, that was 1997. Uh, Timothy McVeigh not only made the cover of Time magazine, but he was convicted of murder for the bombing, 1995 bombing in Oklahoma City. I didn't put an image of this one up because I didn't think I needed to. Mike Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's ear <laughs> in their boxing match. And if you've seen one of those images, it lasts forever. You don't need to see it again. Uh, Steve Jobs, many people forget this, but Steve Jobs left Apple Computer. There was a time in which the original Apple Computer was not part of that company, and the company was going under. And so in 97, Steve Jobs returned to Apple Computer, and people forget this, but Bill Gates and Microsoft floated them $150 million to keep them going 20 years ago, 1997. A million men, literally, a million men, a million men plus, gathered, I think it was the biggest promise keepers assembly in history in Washington, D.C. of that year. And I've never seen it, I confess, but Titanic, that blockbuster movie came out in 1997. I think it made a bunch of its money on the young adolescent girls seen it time after time after time. And Leonardo, I think that was the deal. Yeah, 20 years ago. And in 1997, of course, Lion Lamb Church was born. Would you do me a favor? If you were part of the plant in 1997, would you stand up just so we, me, at least me, a few of us in here, great. Great, thanks for being here. Hopefully a few downstairs. Yeah, and sticking it out. Let me, let me give you a brief, very brief uh, walk down memory lane on line and lamb. Let me start with our birth. You know, the Apostle Paul said he was uh, born as an apostle out of time. He wasn't part of that original group. It was almost like his birth was, was sort of stuck out. And Lion Lamb's birth, certainly as a church, was that too. It wasn't a planned birth. It was an unplanned birth. Back in the early 
to mid-1990s, leaders at Topeka Bible Church, myself among them, had talked, planned, and prayed for some time about another church plant in Topeka. And so in 1996, with the blessing of Topeka Bible Church, what became Fellowship Bible Church was launched. There were about 30 families. There were 80 to 90 people in that launch. And guys, we started with high hopes. These are, by the way, I'm sharing some painful memories this morning as well as some good ones. And on the points that we get to, we'll be there too. Um, Within weeks of the start of that work, the leadership knew we were in deep trouble. Uh, Because one of our number had a new agenda that hadn't been made known to anyone else. And uh, it was literally the worst year of my life. And my goal became simply surviving with my sanity. And that is no overstatement. I'd started a business that year. We'd planted the church that year. And I was just hoping to come out literally with my emotional sanity intact. And it was an iffy thing at that. So leadership went through a year of strife and turmoil over what to do with one individual leader. And at the end of that time, basically, some of the leaders said they made a decision about who should stay and who should go. And many of us considered it so wrong, a decision that we just simply said, myself included, we could not be a part of this decision. We could not be a part of what this looked like going forward. Now, just so I don't forget, we are great advocates and friends of Fellowship Bible Church today. We share friends. We share common thoughts, philosophies, loves, ministry. We've, we're sending Tim and Andrea out to a Fellowship Bible Church plant in Highcrest. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's all good. That's God's sovereignty and goodness. But it was a very tough challenge. So the church split over what going forward looked like at that point. The group that left had no concept of what we would do. And literally, we met in Gage Park in the fall of 1997 because we didn't have any place else to meet. We didn't know what we were going to do. Short thought was, hey, we'll just support one another until folks are plugged back into Topeka Bible or wherever they'd come from. But as we kept meeting, people said, basically, we feel like we're already church family. We don't want to go back someplace else. We want to make this our church family going forward. And so... It was, a very, it was a very difficult start, and if you were there, you know that. And we, frankly, struggled through several years of what is our identity, who are we? Not, not coming out of what we came out of defining us, but who are we now and who are we going forward? That was a long and difficult road, I'd say, for about six or seven years. So that was our challenging beginning. Now, our, emis- our initial meetings were in Gage Park, and we had a lot of picnics there, just like we still do today. Um, that was 20 years ago. Is Dan McElroy here, by the way? Because he's Dan downstairs, so he can't throw anything at me. Dan McElroy, 20 years ago, he had hair on his head. And to prove the point, he did. He had, he had a nice head of hair on his head 20 years ago. Now, if you look at what I would call a scowl, now you understand he's at the head of the picnic line, and he's looking at the hamburgers. And he thinks they've come up short. And Dan has been our hamburger grill guy ever since to make sure that somebody does it right. I ask him all the time if I can help, and he refuses my help. So whatever. So we met in Gage Park. Thank you, Dan. Uh, This was at, I believe, Dave and Lisa Schneider's house, uh, literally homes. We, We went from home to home. We were a small enough group to do that initially. Kevin... I'm not sure who Kevin, this was the story of Esther, I can tell you that. And I don't know if Kevin was the king, or I don't remember who he was in this, but we did some family drama skits out of the Bible together. We met in a karate center. I don't have an image of that. I think it was a year and a half, maybe two years. Ended up at Caraparville Latin School, where we stayed 
for a number of years, first in the theater, it outgrew that, and went to the gymnasium. We also went to Gage Park, and we not only started in Gage Park, but in later years we would revert to Gage Park. If you remember, the, the gym, uh, once upon a time at Caerperville, had no air conditioning. And so come summer, that was simply not, a, not an option for us to meet. So we'd go to Gage Park, to their building next to the zoo. Now, if you were there with us then, you probably have the same fond memories I do of meeting in that place. It not only was a cool place and the kids could play outside, but as you went to the potluck line, what would waft in was the smell of the elephants in the zoo, and it would mingle with the aromas from the food. It was really memorable. And if you missed it, I'm sorry. We're not, we're not reproducing it. You know, everybody, everybody, thank you, everybody thinks that their kids or the kids in their church are the cutest, don't they? But I think we've got a pretty good case for the cutest kids around, maybe being right here in Lion and Lamb. And that's Devin and Andrew, and I'll tell you, I've got some more kid pictures here in just a second, but I was speaking with Devin, and many, many of you know their history and what it was like when they were born and the challenges they faced. I tell you, my, my theme for Andrew who's not here? He's downstairs. Is he here? So I tell Andrew, Andrew for president for the last 10 years. When Andrew runs for president, I'm voting for him. And I tell you what, Miss Devin is just one of the loveliest young ladies you will ever meet. If you get a chance to hang out with those kids, they were not only cute years ago, but they are great, great today. And here's some other pretty cute kids. And they've grown up too to be a studly young man and another lovely young lady. And there's some more of our youthful, yeah, youthful wine and lammers there. And you know, they did grow up and back when Ken Kamiya was still here and kids were going down to Camp Barnabas learning how to serve others, which was a great thing. Guys, one of the things we've done as a church family all along the way, started in a park around picnics, and we've been doing that ever since. Uh, we have spring flings today and spring dances. We have fall fests. We've been doing this picnics and potlucks all the way around. They're just great family activities. Back in the Langhofer days, we would go to central Kansas, mile marker 199 at Dorrance, Kansas. We said it was to hunt pheasant. You know, the truth is there were never very many pheasant. It was always uh, good food to eat and great fellowship, great times there. You know, we've been really blessed, too, over the years. We've had so many people who've been gifted in leadership of one form or another, teaching. Do you remember the, the family unit uh, Sunday school classes we were having in the gym? Steve there teaching. We've had a number of people lead worship in Lion Lamb over the year. John Hunt right here. John and Sean were our first guys in that role. You see both of them there. Eric was with us early on as well. You know, we had a world-famous author do a book signing at Care Paravel with her first book. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, Grace, Grace the Halls of Care Paravel and Lion Lamb Church. We have welcomed a, a bunch of folks over the years into the family of faith formally through baptism, and some of them, Lake Shawnee, and folks who've come to Christ right out of our community here, but we've also had students from around the world who've come to get education in Topeka, Kansas, and have come away with a relationship in Christ as well. That's our dear friend, Ting. We've done family camps together. We have had a hoot on family camps, great times together. We've had friends who were here for a season. If you were here maybe 10 years ago, you know this face. Here for a season to get a law degree or an education and time and, and tide and God's providence has moved them elsewhere here for a short season of life. 
We've had other people who are here for longer periods of time. And again, we're, we're called to other geographic locations as well. You know, if you have a long memory, you know, yeah. Yeah, many of you wouldn't have known Marvin DeGroff from Lion Lamb Church. I'll try and hold, hold it together here. Marvin helped plant this church, and uh, yeah, one of the uh, most delightful, encouraging guys you'd ever meet. There were a few people that I actually enjoyed listening to teach. Marvin DeGroff was one of them. He had this paternal element to his persona and his teaching that I've never known from anybody else, and we were on the church boards at Topeka Bible Church in the 90s, and I knew Marvin didn't know me very well, but he came up to me one day and he said, Mike, I want you to know that I pray for you every morning. I was like, wow, what a friend. So Marvin and some of our other church family members, they have left earth, and they are in the presence of their Savior and ours, and we'll see them again, Lord willing, sometime soon. Uh, you know, we took over this this church building a couple years ago. You know, a house is not necessarily a home, but through the efforts of some and others, uh, yeah, church building becomes a church family home, and we're thrilled. You never you never know where God will take a thing, right? I love the opening song. God is in control. He's sovereign. He's overseeing all things, and you can always count on that. Let me tell you four of my takeaways as I wind down. If you came up, and and by the way, if you've been here a long time, nothing I say here will, will be original, okay? Nothing is new. But let me tell you some of my four takeaways uh, from our 20 years together. The first is this, uh, to be family to each other and to be invested in the lives of others is to be vulnerable. Being vulnerable means you get to experience times of great joy in successes and times of crushing suffering. in failures. Galatians 6.2. You know, I thought I'd get through all this just fine. I had no, <laughs> no problem. Uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If we're not bearing one another's burdens, we are not fulfilling Christ's call to each other. And you can't do that and not be vulnerable. And to be vulnerable means you will be hurt. And you'll be hurt deeply and repeatedly. And that's simply part of investing in God's family. Romans 12:15 says rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. So sometimes being in church family together means great joy and other times it means very very costly suffering. Another lesson for me, one of my takeaways is vulnerably investing in the lives of others for Christ is a privilege. It's a privilege. It's not merely a responsibility though it is that, but it's a privilege. Guys, we are fickle creatures, all of us, the best of us, we are fickle, we're broken. And to invest in Christ's name for Christ's cause in the lives of others is not just something, a duty to be performed. It's a privilege. Listen to this from Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Paul's thinking about his friends in the family of God in Thessalonica, and he says this, What is our hope? And he's thinking about the coming of Christ. What is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown of boasting? Before the Lord, Jesus, at his coming. 
when Jesus appears and we see him face to face, what do we brag about? Paul says, it's you. The boast we have, if you can call it that, before Christ is the investment we've made in each other. Budgets, buildings, guys, they're all toast in the future. This earth and all that's on it burn up. God creates a new heaven and a new earth. The only thing we take with each other is each other. That's our boast. It's a privilege to invest in others. Investing in others for and with Christ is the only game in town. It's the only kind of labor that lasts forever. Third thing is this, and I won't beat this. I've only got a couple minutes. Growth in Christ requires the spiritual nutrition God provides by his spirit, in his word, in prayer, and in the fellowship of the church. There's an old uh, bromide story that says a teacher with 20 years in the teaching venue applies for promotion, and someone with far fewer years of experience gets it, and she complains to the principal. She says, I have 20 years of experience. The principal corrects her and says, you have one year of experience 20 times. Friends, that's a pretty apt description of many of our lives. I've known so many Christians, and I knew them 20 years ago, and I knew them 40 years ago. And they're about the same person now that they were then. And that's a shame. And do you know why it is? It's because they're not sitting at the table God has set for us. They're not in God's word. They're not praying. They're not abiding in Christ. And that's why they not only don't see a transformation in their own lives, it's why they're not bearing fruit either. And I won't go, the verses, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. First Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we're not abiding in Christ by the disciplines he's given us, we will not grow. We will not see Christ-like transformation in our lives. And my last point is this. The investments and sacrifices made here and now will not be compared to the glories God will shower on us in the future. As difficult as life can be for a Christian, and especially in God's family, right? It's no party sometimes, right? You guys know this right now. Some of you, I'm looking at your faces. We're going through challenges right now, right? Not easy. But the investment, the, the fruit that we invest for with Christ will be in the future so much more glorious than anything we did that Paul says two times, Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians, he says, don't even try and compare it. So we need to keep that in mind when we're thinking about the tough times and the tough roads here. Uh, Bo Barrett, I don't know if you'd know him by name. He's the vintner at Chateau Montalena Vineyard in California. There's a movie about him. I think it's called Bottle Shock, maybe. Sticker Shock, Bottle Shock. Anyway, this was a guy who had a dream. And he was an attorney, and he took his life savings, and he invested in a vineyard north of the San Francisco Bay. And he has put everything he's got into this, and he's on the verge of bankruptcy. When fortuitously... A British wine cellar in France, trying to drum up business, decided to do a blind taste test between the best French wines and the best American wines. And so he chose one of these guys' wines. And out of nowhere, this guy's wine is named the best Sauvignon Blanc in the world. And teetering on the edge of bankruptcy, they've now become this world-famous vintner. And he said this, we don't want to make a lot of wine, we want to make the best wine. We don't want to measure success in numbers, but we do want to impact a lot of people. We don't want to measure success by budgets, but we do want to be able to sustain what God calls us to do. 
We don't want to make a lot of wine. We want to make the best. We want to bring to Christ our best. That's the kind of fruit we want to have. And let me close with this. This is from our website, by the way. It's our hope that we can, within our own group, that's up there, isn't it? As well as with believers in all Christ's local churches together, this is from Romans 15, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're humbly thankful for God's past faithfulness and enthusiastically expectant about his future plans for Lion and Lamb Church. And Bill's, Bill's going to take us from there. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm going to share for just a few minutes and then some of the other, the other two elders are going to share. We have a, a limited scope, each of us. I'm going to share some about our vision for teaching God's word moving forward. Uh, Mike did all the history, but I am going to give one little thing about our family's own history. Um, we didn't stand when we said who was here uh, at the beginning of Lion and Lamb, but we were part of the original group that left TBC and went to start FBC. And uh, Mike was t- really right on when he said how hard that was. We stayed. We were one of the families who, uh, it was about it even split of, of those who left to start Lion and Lamb and those who stayed to keep FBC going, and we were part of that. And uh, we rejoined the group that left to form Lion and Lamb in 2010. And uh, I became an elder in 2012. So just that little bit of history about me. But, but what I'm going to share about today is a little about w- what our leadership vision is for ensuring that we are teaching God's word completely, accurately, and without compromise here. And I'm going to start by uh, reading two things from official Lion and Lamb documents. You may not know that we actually have a constitution, our church, and just something from the purpose in our constitution says, to communicate the gospel, declare the word of God, to obey his word, and fulfill those commands as he has enjoined his church. And then from our statement of faith, the scriptures in their original autographs are the fully inspired word of God without error, absolute in their authority, and complete in their provision for godly living. We have a very high view of scripture here at Lion and Lamb. We believe it's divine in origin, perfect because it's the words of a perfect God. And in the world that we're in that casts doubt on the accuracy and relevance of Scripture or the Bible in our lives today, we're going to stand firm on the Bible because we do consider it the foundation of our faith. And so uh, whenever we teach, whatever we teach, even if we supplement it with some funny videos, and if you've seen some of my t- teaching, occasionally I'll throw a cartoon to make a point in. We'll throw some of those things into our teaching, but we always come back to God's word, and none of our teaching should be devoid of God's word. Now, all of you, if you've been part of Lion and Lamb for very long at all, you probably have heard many, many times about the importance of staying in God's word, reading his word, And you know probably you have heard also the many reasons why that is so important. But I'm going to just list a few of those reasons before I say what our intent or hopes are for moving forward. I think you all know that God's word is powerful, living, and it does transform lives. It's powerful enough to transform you if you're in it. 
to be more like Jesus. It equips us. You know, we know that it equips us for every good work. It equips us to minister to others, both in our body and outside of our body. It teaches us about God himself, his nature, his love for us. Just so many uh, important things we can learn about him, but it also teaches us to have a reverent fear for him. It gives us peace and strength in times of trouble and trials. It gives us hope for all eternity. It gives us the reasons that when somebody looks at us to share why do we have some hope, uh, those reasons can be found in God's word. It gives us the information we need to obey the Great Commission, which is to be able to go out and, as Jesus told us, to make disciples in the world and teaching people to obey the commands that he had given us. And then really, lastly, and there's many more that I could list of what the value of us spending time in the Bible is, but it's because that's where we find the story of God's redemption through Jesus Christ. And without the Bible, we wouldn't have such a clear view of what that really is for us. So what is really uh, our vision here at Lion and Lamb? Well, of course, Sunday mornings, teaching God's word is one of the primary things that we as leaders believe is important. We're whether it's the teaching time or in the worship service or whether it's Sunday school, we know we are challenged space-wise to be able to have the kind of Sunday school that we might really like most. But given the space challenge is not great enough for us to say, well, we're just going to not have Sunday school and we're going to look for Bible teaching elsewhere. No, we are going to continue with Sunday school. We're going to do the best with the space that God has given us But Sunday morning teaching is very important. We also encourage our worship leaders to select songs that have God's word in them. Uh, Theology being taught through worship. Many good songs. And it's not just the hymns, although the hymns are wonderful for teaching theology. There are a lot of other more modern songs that do the same. And so through worship, we hope God's word will be taught. We have home groups. If you're not part of, I think Kent may talk more about home groups, but if you're not part of one, our home groups should be teaching God's word. It's not just the social time. There needs to be a time of sharing and studying God's word. We have all kinds of uh, groups to participate in for men and women and college and youth uh, that are outside of Sunday activity where God's word is taught, Bible studies, prayer times. All of those official lion and lamb activities are very much filled with God's word. Now, they, uh, what we do officially, we encourage you to consider complementing that by what goes on in your home. If you're parents, you're teaching God's word to your children. If you're a couple, you're doing devotions together. You're praying together. You're talking about the Bible together. So what we're really seeking is a biblically literate church. Again, even within the Christian church, biblical literacy is on the decline, I think, in our country. And our intent is to have a church that is very biblically literate. And by being literate, what we're doing is we're storing up God's word in our hearts and our minds and so that we can call upon it whenever we need it 
and that's daily. We need to be able to refer back to God's word. Even if we're not speaking it, we're remembering it for all the things that we encounter on a daily basis. And again, I want to emphasize, it's our intent to teach God's word accurately, completely, and without compromise. That's very important to us. It's our goal, too, not just to be biblically literate, but we, it's our goal that all of you would really have a growing love for God's word, to spend more time in it. Some of you would say, I already love God's word. Well, that love can expand. If you don't have a love for God's word, we hope that we can be somehow contributing to that in your life. We don't want reading God's word to be an obligation or a chore. We want it to be a longing. If you're not doing it on a given day, we hope that you feel like something was missing from your life. We hope you get to that point that, you know, you, maybe you couldn't put your finger on it, but if for some reason you skip. We hope that that longing is like a, a letter from a loved one. Let's say that uh, you're hoping to get a letter from a loved one. You're longing for that letter. You finally get it, and you read it over and over again. And uh, we hope that that same kind of feeling would be what you feel for God's word, spending time in that. So um, I'll just end by saying uh, teaching is something that I enjoy. It's a passion of mine. It's, I mostly do it in Sunday school time, occasionally in worship service. But uh, I hope all of you uh, develop that same longing for God's word that I have. And, hope, and if you already have that, I hope it grows stronger in you. So that's it. Thank you, Bill. Would you open your Bibles to Ephesians 4? Um, and while you do that, let me just say that the, uh, the Vincent clan uh, started at Topeka Bible in about 1980, and it's been about uh, 17, 18 years there. Great teaching, and uh, over those years it grew from a, a body of, uh, a little bit larger than this one to much, much larger. And uh, around about the same time that Mike and others went off to start FBC, uh, the Vincents went off to a, the opposite. We, we got together with a very small group, a great fellowship of about four or five families, each with a bucket load of kids. So it, it didn't seem like such a small group. It had wonderful fellowship and closeness. And then about 11 years ago, uh, Vincent's ended up here with most of the other families from that fellowship. Uh, and it's the right balance for us, okay, because we get all of that here. Uh, if you read Ephesians 4, what you'll see is it's all about unity within the body, the local body, and about using your spiritual gifts. So I'm supposed to talk to you today about community and serving and where we are, where we want to be. Uh, and there, starting in the middle of verse 15, I'm have you open this up because I didn't prepare a slide, but... I just want you to read this. It says that we as members of the local body are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. In other words, become like Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the Bible teaches us that the church, the local church, is the association or the community in which we become more like Christ. It's where we grow in knowing him. We learn and serve one another. It's where we knock each other's rough edges off. We forgive and receive forgiveness in the local church. And it's in that way where we learn how to go out and carry out the Great Commission. And over the last several years, uh, the leaders have brought in various uh, parachurch organizations to present to you because we want Lion and Lamb to be effective within the community. We want you to know what the opportunities are out there. Uh, And many of you have responded. We so much appreciate that, the, the various ministries that you've become involved with and are serving now. However, we as leaders have not been nearly as effective in moving Lion and Lamb toward the ideal of Ephesians 4 within the local church. Now, we might take solace in that we're probably pretty normal or maybe even better than normal in terms of members being involved within the church compared to other churches, but we are not to compare ourselves among ourselves. We are to be seeking out God's best and what we as a body are called to do by God's word. So I'm speaking to everybody here, and we want to encourage everybody to be as involved with Lion and Lamb as you possibly can be. Become more than an attender. Become part of the body. Discover and use your spiritual gift. Grow into Christ. Become like Christ. First, come to know and love that which is the body of Christ so that you can then be equipped to love and minister to the world. Now, some have said that parachurch organizations are like graduate schools because they provide structure and training and resources in specific areas of ministry. Now, all that's true. However, you cannot go to grad school. You cannot be effective in your ministry without the foundation of learning and growing and fellowshipping and serving and being accountable to a local healthy body. So if a person serves in a ministry as a lone ranger without being part of a local body, he is outside of God's will and God's plan. Now, beyond the foundation, and I want you to understand what I'm saying here, the local church is life for the believer. Ministry outside the local church is something that we do as an extension during certain seasons of life. That's a huge distinction. You can't have the latter without the former. Each of us has to make wise decisions about how we use our limited time. So, um, 
in December, I believe, we're going to have an opportunity fair where, we should have done this a long time ago, where we make all the opportunities within Lion and Lamb and maybe even some of those outside, put them all in one place and let you all talk to people who are involved with those so that you can see where you best fit in to use your spiritual gift. Uh, it's already been mentioned. I'm going to be covering stuff that Bill and, and, uh, and Mike have already, already talked about. But in, within Lion and Lamb, we really want to encourage people to become involved with home groups. That's the most basic way that you can develop community uh, within our church. And presently, honestly, we do not have enough home groups. But, so we want to work on that. A home group meets weekly or perhaps every other week. And it can only be so big in order to maintain the right, you know, relationships uh, that, are, that are close enough. Uh, we have others operating now that are pretty much full, but the home groups now that are open to growth would include, I believe, the Finsons and the Pattons. Uh, they have one together, the Halpins and the Vincents. Uh, we have weekly meetings. Uh, every Tuesday morning... 6 a.m., men meet here to pray. Encourage you to do that. Uh, women's Bible studies, uh, Thursday nights, Friday mornings. You can see Kathy about that. Uh, uh, we have specialized groups that meet at different times of the year for specialized purposes. The, the Swinsons lead growing kids. Uh, right now, uh, Alan Ryblin's leading a men's group called Stepping Up, which flow, flowed out of a, a series that we that we did to call up men to uh, greater service. The editors are leading a, a young marriage class. Speaking of marriage, you, we've talked about this today, about the upcoming marriage series. Uh, and we encourage everybody, pre, young, and older. Me and Mrs. Vincent, we've had a thing going on for over 45 years. And... Uh, Unfortunately, in that time frame, she's gotten to know me pretty well, and so we're going to take the course again. It's really for everybody. We encourage you to do that because marriage is huge within our culture, and it's under attack. Uh, coming up in the uh, in this in this in the uh, January, we believe we're looking at doing a series for the men on purity. Huge, which in the culture today. Uh, we're, uh, we've got Sunday morning opportunities to serve. Some, but not all of those, require a commitment to Lion Lamb as a covenant member. Uh, several others, uh, we have, I'm just going to go down a laundry list here, other ways in which you can participate and fellowship within Lion Lamb. Of course, there's a thing called Sunday school, okay? We have baptisms from time to time. Potlucks like today, you can go out and you can intermingle with people, maybe people you don't know. Uh, Fall Fest and Spring Dance at the Ilefs, beautiful place, you gotta go there. Uh, Men's Advance coming up in in October. Titus Tees and, and workshops for women. Uh, Kelly Finstrom organizes, I believe, baby uh, showers and, and food and that sort of thing for people who are, who are needing those. Uh, we have had and we hope to have more days when the guys go out and they help somebody in need. And I know Mike showed painting, uh, uh, a hunting trip. May I say also paintball, okay? Uh, 
it's one of the best ways to develop fellowship and relationship is when you serve together and when you shoot at one another. <laughs> so we need people to help plan and coordinate these things. So in short, we just encourage everybody to get involved and experience the joy of serving one another, developing strong relationships, building up the body in love, and thereby equipping yourself to go out and reach the lost. Thank you. God bless. Okay, so I guess I will follow the pattern of how we got to Lion and Lamb. Uh, So I don't have any history with FBC or TBC or... uh, uh, any of those other churches. So uh, we came to Lion and Lamb in 2012 after uh, bouncing around the world with the Air Force for 27 years and uh, had never been to Topeka, uh, not, had not even driven through here, and, uh, and uh, kind of got forced into the neighborhood that we were in because I wanted to live in the country, and, and that's a long story. But anyway, uh, so we're living in this house and, and got a knock on the door, and it was Pam Foreman. And uh, she said, hey, I hear you guys are another homeschooling family, and we are so excited uh, to have you in the neighborhood, and are you looking for a church? And we said, yeah, we are. And, uh, and, uh, and so she invited us to, to Lion and Lamb, and we were meeting at the Ramada uh, at that point. And uh, so we've been here ever since, and I think I've been a elder of 2014, something like that. I don't know memory memory doesn't serve very well uh the older i get so um but it but it's been a joy and uh we have enjoyed it uh have enjoyed getting to know you and have enjoyed uh putting down roots and uh so i will say uh we've been here five years this is the longest we have lived anywhere uh in our lives and uh so we're gonna gut our house or do something because we're maybe paint or rearrange the furniture because we're here for as long as god uh god keeps us here so um, okay, so really quick, because uh, I know we want to get to the Lord's Supper and then we want to get to Pollock. So as we were talking through what we were going to do, and uh, we we're talking about what our hopes are, and, and if you guys don't know, we, you know, the elders meet, uh, sometimes we meet really, really early, um, and, and we share what, what do we want lion and lamb to look like? What, what are our hopes for it? And, and so you heard, you heard Bill talk about, we want to teach the Bible. And you heard Kent talk about, we want to have everybody in community. And, and really what that all boils down to is we want to be, as Mike said, uh, we don't want to make the best wine, but we want to make the best disciples. That's really what we're after. We're after making disciples. And, and, and part of that comes from our... Our mission, the church, the big church's mission statement, which is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And hopefully you're familiar with that. It's what's called the Great Commission. It's where Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you to. Okay, and that's part of our mission. Uh, that's part of our mission statement. If you look on our website, uh, part of our mission statement as a church is that we want to obey all Christ's commands. And one of those commands is to make disciples. Uh, okay? So uh, 
here in Topeka, we have the Topeka Friends. So, so the nations come to us, all right? And we want to be intentional, intentional about making disciples of them. We want to be intentional about making disciples in our own homes and in our families. So our philosophy of Sunday school is that it's the parents who are responsible for teaching and training their children. And we want to come alongside you and help in that. Uh, we want to help facilitate your disciple making. All right? Um, and so we have individually and we have corporately an obligation to do that, to make, because that's a command, right? And, and as I taught over the summer, when God gives us a command, He expects them to be obeyed. And when He expects them to be obeyed, He gives us the ability to, to obey them. So it may seem daunting, but it's something that we're called to do, it's something God's Spirit wants us to do, and so it's something that God is going to enable us to do. Um, and so, so we want to be intentional about that. A couple of weeks ago, Mike taught about. Um, uh, grief and despair and he asked you to give feedback and part of that feedback was pretty consistently uh, that you want us as a church to be investing in the next generation that was uh, we got I don't know how many hundred maybe hundred comments back so some of you didn't fill them out Um, but for those that did it was pretty consistent you want us to focus on uh, the next generation and so as elders, we want to do that. So we're praying about things that we want to do, things that we can put in place. And there's some things that we can do, maybe structurally or uh, offer some things. But really, uh, discipleship comes down to individually investing in other individuals. Okay? So that's what it comes, uh, comes down to. And so as Bill says, we want to equip you from the word so that you can invest in somebody else so that you can be in community with somebody else other people you can be investing in them and discipling them Um, and for some of us that is going to mean some changes right you've heard the old saying that your checkbook tells you what's really important in your life okay for us our calendars tell us what's really important in our life tells us where our priorities are so look at your calendar uh, and if there aren't opportunities in there for one-on-one disciple-making, that, that should tell us something. Okay? So, so as we look forward to uh, Lion and Lamb 2.0, uh, that's going to be one of our focus is, is, is calling, calling all of us to be more intentional about disciple-making. Um, you know, in, in my Bible plan, I'm reading through the Old Testament, and so... Uh, read through Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy 6, which is the Shema, and it says, you know, be diligent to teach your children. You know, and then you get to Judges, and Judges 2 was, is all about how a generation grew up that didn't know Moses. And the book of Judges is just filled with horrible, horrible stuff because that generation who didn't know the Lord, didn't know Moses, grew up, and everybody did what they, what they wanted to do. And you see some horrible, horrible things in the book of Judges because one generation was not faithful to teach the next generation. One generation wasn't faithful to remember. And so as we look forward, we don't want to be that generation that's not faithful. We want to be the generation that's faithful. We want to be the generation that 20 years from now, uh, one of our little ones who's down in the nursery right now is going to stand up here maybe teaching and is going to say, you know what? 
yeah, these people were faithful. And I'm here because somebody invested in me. I'm here, uh, a disciple. I'm making disciples because the people in this room right now were faithful to that. And so that's what we're gonna uh, that's what we're gonna pray about. Um, that's what we're gonna we're gonna work to implement. Um, so just heads up, we may be asking uh, some different things of all of us. Uh, maybe asking you to restructure some things and and uh, uh, and do some things differently. Uh, but I think it is worth it. As Mike said, um, you know this building is going to burn up. Uh, all this is going to go. And the only things that we're going to take with us are our people. Okay? And I, for one, want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because of the investments that I've made in other people. And I hope you want to hear that, too.